What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Caleb and Brian Show, and happy Thanksgiving. Today, we bring you the first half of our book club discussion where we read Aldous Huxley's prophetic 1932 novel, Brave New World. Join us along with Kyle and Nate as we go through the first seven chapters of the novel and try to get our heads around uh, what the world controllers were actually thinking. If you want to contact us, email us at calebandbryanshow at gmail.com and show your support. Okay, goodbye. Welcome everybody to the Caleb and Brian Show, Low Energy <laughs> Podcast. Apparently, <laughs> start over. <laughs> I'm just messing around. It's a good time to be with everybody. We've got our all-star crew back from our last episode here, finally to discuss all of our book reading that we've been doing, and probably if uh, you can make a suitable cocktail with mayonnaise as the main ingredient. Uh, here with me, I've got Dr. Nathan Gooch. How's it going, Nate? Hey, doing great. Doing great. And uh, we've got Kyle Thornley coming in hot. Oh yeah. Super oh, hot. Yeah. And of course, show's great co-host, Mr. Caleb. Hello. Hello. So tonight was supposed to be our uh our first talking about the book we're reading, which is Brave New World. Aldous Huxley. How far were we reading again? We read to chapter seven? Three. Yeah, chapter seven. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently we know where Nate got. <laughs> uh, last time we spoke, we said to chapter three. Uh, yeah. Oh. I specifically no. remember it being recorded to chapter seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we uh we realized that Kyle had read farther ahead and then we all agreed to read to chapter seven. It's all good. <laughs> uh we're gonna go back and check the tapes on that one. Yep, check the tape. The tape. I read to uh, chapter seven. <laughs> so so <laughs> give me a quick minute and I'll finish up. Uh just a <laughs> couple couple just a hundred quick pages. Well, I didn't stop at chapter three. That's just where I thought we were talking to because Caleb was behind. Pin it on Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> Go back and listen to the show, buddy. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> at least through chapter three. <laughs> chapter three was uh, the worst chapter, IMO. I'll just throw that out there right now. So why did, why did you not like chapter three? What was, what was oh. the problem with chapter three? I mean, I guess I couldn't quite follow along, like Mustafa or whoever that dude is. <laughs> Mufasa. Introducing more characters. Yeah. That, yeah, Simba's right. dad. Simba's, Simba's dad came and, and he, stopped and, making people have babies. <laughs> and scarred all the children by telling them about how people used to have babies. Right. right. So maybe we could back up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> So, hey, starting in chapter one, so I've read this book before, and okay. uh, one thing that I didn't ever catch on to um, until reading it again this time was that you, there's the five casts, right? Alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon. Uh, yeah, and that, what I didn't realize before was that the alpha and the beta casts don't undergo what whatever that process is that um, 
divides it up into a whole bunch of different embryos. The alphas and betas are unique. Oh yeah, they're not they're not a, a million twins. Yeah, yeah so it's a process called boxnification or something like that. I don't yeah, know, something with a B. Right. Yeah, it's only the gamma, um, epsilon, and deltas that go through that and have like a million identical. And I guess the the reason that they think that is because well, these guys are just all going to be doing the same, the same thing. So let's yeah. just make a million copies of them. And then I guess there's like some danger involved in that cloning process. So they're like, well, with the alphas and the betas, we can't risk can't risk that. Yeah, so there's so some I didn't, danger. I didn't catch uh, that the first time. Yeah, it's so it's a it's, it's a futuristic society where uh, everybody is created essentially in a lab, right? And you you are predisposed to being in one of these casts before you're even ever I, I don't know born isn't the right word because they actually don't like that word at all. So uh, <laughs> I don't know, engineered maybe De- decanted. Yeah, before you're yeah. decanted. Decanted. Um, and so then, you know, this is a, supposed to be some futuristic paradise, right? Where uh, from the day after you're even just uh, put in the womb, right? Like you're, or whatever, synthetic womb. The you're, tube. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're like, you're immediately being manipulated genetically or uh, just from, from your growing procedures. Like, what is it? Like everybody who's like a, like a gamma or like lower is uh, purposely deprived of oxygen. For a, yeah. a while, right? To yeah, and like alcohol. Brain. Yep, and given out like alcohol. So yep. they're essentially given fetal alcohol syndrome. Yeah, yeah, and it's supposed to like stunt their growth, so they're uh, basically going to be smaller as well as like obviously that's going to hurt their intellect as well. Yeah, so it makes them it makes them dumb and small, like dwarves. Yeah, like but that. to varying degrees. <laughs> Right. And then uh, we get this, this is still, I think, in chapter one, right? We get this nice uh, kind of description of this place where all these children are created. Yeah, I think and, it's called uh, the hatchery. What's it called? Hatchery? Something like that. Yeah, the, the Zerg. It's the hatchery. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a it's an interesting way that uh, Huxley um, introduces the reader to the world that they're living in all the way through mustafa like or whatever you were saying you didn't like that part but it's just their way i think it's his way of like saying here's what the world is and then here's what their perspective is is on knowing history and so yeah yeah first three chapters are just us walking through the hatchery and learning about it yeah you're you're from the perspective of some student class right that's i don't know having a field trip or something Mm -hmm. that's all boys i think is it? And they're just learning about all the things. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that either. Yeah, I didn't pick up on it just being one gender. But... Yeah, I could could be wrong. <laughs> I think I'm with you, Kyle. I think they were just a class of boys. Could have been though. Um, but yeah, they go and they just see the whole process, and they're being led by the DHC, who's the director of the, I guess, the hatchery. Um, and he's showing them all this different crazy stuff and all the ways that they're conditioned, right? So it's pretty sad. Like you see, like a yeah. There was they, what were you going po- Yeah, probably the part you're about to describe. Like they go through the conditioning process of the you know the fetuses themselves. So they talk about like if you're going to be a rocket driver or something like that, because apparently they drive rockets in that place. The babies are like constantly like just being kind of tossed to and fro so that they won't like have any sort of like 
um, sickness in that environment. They just and have then, a, no motion sickness at all because their life is constant motion. Yeah, constant motion. And then, like, probably the most scarring part, at least the part where you're like, oh, my gosh, like, this is insane, is where they have, like, these babies, like, a whole bunch of babies. I think there's, like, 96 of them or whatever. They're all, like, identical babies, probably. They all, like, put them in the room, and then they put out something. I think it's books. I think it's books. Well, they, yeah, they, they do books. books they do flowers. flowers. Yeah. Yeah, books and flowers. And then the babies are like, oh, there's something new, and start to, like, crawl towards it. And then they just, like, as soon as they crawl towards it, they jolt them with electricity. And all the babies obviously start wailing. And that was, like, like, a really loud tone, yeah. And then he says they do it 300 times. Yeah. (laughs) So that they never, ever, ever want to go near, essentially, greenery, ever. Or a book, yeah. Never want to read. So and I do, think you, that, do you remember like the reason that they included the hatred of nature? Um, they wanted them to consume like uh, rail passes, right? But then yes. they found out that people were, I can't remember, like loving nature too much. They like to go to the countryside and, and hang out. Right. Yeah, instead if, of if you're buying... just hanging out in the countryside, you're not spending money or consuming, right? right. So they're like, oh, that, yeah. well, that's why we had to make really complex games. So they'd go out into the country and then play the game that has tons of equipment. <laughs> yeah, I wrote it down. I wrote down one of the names of that game. It was called Centrifugal Bumble Puppy. Sounds like a pretty intriguing <laughs> game. <laughs> and the, on the, like the farther you read, right, the more of the games. It's like uh, there's like magnetic golf. There's like uh, other <laughs> kinds of weird golf. All kinds of weird shows. I don't know. So it's, yeah. So we're, we're getting this glimpse into this society, which is everybody's engineered uh, to be what they are uh, from from birth. Uh, you're conditioned in ways that make you not even have the ability to like not want to be you. If that makes sense, right? Like you, if you're gonna be a dude who just pushes a broom, like you are conditioned to love pushing brooms, and that's it, and you and hate everything else, and to have like a really kind of weird like class or cast hatred towards other casts, right? Like all these things that they're saying where it's like, I'm, I'm really glad I'm not an Epsilon. You know, Epsilons are gross. I like whatever, my own cast. But I don't want to work as hard as the Alphas. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. But I'm, yep. I'm glad I'm a Beta. I don't have to work as hard as the Alphas. Mm-hmm. So that's super weird. And then, yeah, to, to Nate's point, then the other part that they show is that the society is built 100% on consumerism. Like as much consumerism as possible which is pretty weird. Like they had, they engineered people to be able to spend as much money as possible. And they have all these like trite sayings, right? Like, I don't know. I forget what they are. Uh, Most of them about Henry Ford. (laughs) Oh, it's like, well, more stitches is riches, right? Or less stitches is, is riches. It's like they're conditioned to throw stuff away instead of uh, uh, repair it or fix it. Speaking of Ford, he's like God, right? Yeah, I think basically Sir. they just uh, wherever you would say like Lord or like Christ, you just you just put Henry Ford there instead. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes in ways it's like hilarious. Religion. You know, our they're like our Ford, right? Oh my Ford, oh my Ford, <laughs> Ford you. I don't think that one works. Yeah, they <laughs> even take it as far as like they make like Model T signs, like <laughs> like I'm gonna make the sign of the T. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah they cut that... off the top of all the crosses to make T's. Right. So so interesting. 
And the guy even does a T uh, sign on his chest, like what Catholics would do with the sign of the cross. But it's the sign of Ford. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, so right. I, I wrote down the year. So the this is all happening 632 years after Ford. <laughs> Ford. Which is, when is he alive? Like, in, like 1918 or something? Yeah, probably. When Early was this book written? I, I don't know if it's the up. Ford's birth or Ford's death. Like, what date is this after Ford's birth? <laughs> Ford is not dead or alive, Kyle. Ford is just Ford. <laughs> after Ford. <laughs> um, yeah, when was this date? This book published? I, it, it was a similar time, I think. To yeah, it's like the 1930s. I actually looked 84. Yeah, 1930s. Yeah, let me look it up. I think that's actually a good perspective to have. So that's might be a little bit prophetic, right? Like like all of this um, this worship of science and consumerism seems to be pretty apt in today's day and age. I wonder what it was like when this book was being written. If they, you know, if that's how it was, or if Huxley just saw the writing on the wall or something. Yeah, so it's 1932. So that's a pretty like I don't know. Obviously past the great depression and maybe things are starting to like come back to life and apparently they released a tv show of this this year Hmm. well good timing yeah we can watch the tv show and see how they probably get all the lessons incorrect (laughs) (laughs) and it's probably teenage heartthrobs so So the uh Oh, go ahead, Kyle. I was just going to say, so another thing I highlighted um, was that their motto for, like, kind of doing all of this, uh, like, <laughs> you know, basically just forcing people into these roles in different uh, levels in society. Their motto is community, identity, stability, which it's, uh, I guess, the word that when I think about that motto that I was like, wait a minute, one of, it seemed like the word identity was just stripped from these people. And their identity is just basically their their job, right? Right? Like they're made to push a broom, like you mentioned, or they're made to be a propaganda guy or whatever. And it's really interesting that kind of in this book, how he portrays identity is just by your job, which it you know obviously it, it goes much deeper than that. But when you're bred and made just to do something, it's it's really interesting. Well, yeah, I also and think that they don't have individual identities. They view their identity as the group. Everybody belongs to each other. So yeah, it's almost like they're just like a, a cog in the wheel, and they view themselves as the whole machine and, and not the cog. Or they're a cog in the machine. going to say the, uh, the other uh, saying that goes along with that is the one that everyone belongs to everyone else. Yeah. So, which is really weird in fact uh you know when you when you start getting past i want i want to go back and talk about chapter three a little bit just because you know caleb had a lot of thoughts about that about hating it mostly but uh uh, i just it was hard to follow along for me for whatever reason like there's parts in chapter three where they're bouncing back and forth between three different conversations right yeah Yeah. it's just hard yeah you can't i can't visualize it or something yeah, there you go. That's my whole problem for sure. That, well, that that probably didn't. Make, I mean, I don't think it was very easy. Like, if it was a it was weird. a TV show or something, right? They would have been cutting really quickly between scenes, and you would have been seeing all these things kind of interspersed. But, um, you know, it's yeah. not like he put like a, I don't know, a a title in there that was like, you know, back to the lab, to the locker room, 
right. back to the thing, right? So it, it, it did get kind of confusing. And so then they meet this guy, Mustafa Mond, who's one of the 10 controllers in the world, right? He's like uh, apparently one of the big bosses, who I'm sure will be important later. And it was handy. I mean, it was handy to have the exposition, right, to set up the whole world and the the society that they live in. You know, I I don't know why it was important other than explaining what this brave new world is like. Yeah, I think that's why. I think it was just uh, showing everybody like what what he thought the world would be. Clearly, right, the book's being written from a perspective of this is a bad thing for it to happen, and so. Uh, they're setting it up, and I, I don't know about you guys, but there's definitely times during reading it where I was like, "Does this really sound so bad?" Yeah. Oh, they do a really good job of uh, of writing the pop propaganda in a in a way that, yeah, like you just said, you're like, "Well, actually, that's not so bad." <laughs> I that's... mean, everybody everybody's has fun all the time, right? Like that's like their thing. They just they spend all of their time basically. With pleasure, doing, right? Yeah, just doing frivolous things. Like, I guess they well, go to work. Go ahead. It's like but everything they... is for expedience, right? Like, yeah, you just do whatever's in the moment. There's no thought for the future. The future is taken care of for you um, by the state, it seems like, right? Well, and, yeah, and you're drugged continuously, basically, to help that be the case. Right. So let's talk about the drug. It's called Soma in the book. And to mm-hmm. be quite honest, like, I maybe missed something. Like, wh- what exactly, like does soma do to them like i know they take it when they're like feeling like they're kind of overwhelmed or something but like i don't exactly i didn't maybe i missed like what exactly is soma doing to them to me it seemed like it was putting them in kind of just like a chilled out like vibe in veg state like nothing matters i'm happy to be here doing whatever it is like where's the party i think there's a a, an element of that i don't think that you miss anything kyle i don't think it ever came right out and said like this is what soma does it's just like you kind of pick it up from context that they're taking it basically all the time anytime they feel any sort of unease or uh stress or even if they just want to feel a little bit more uh so yeah i think it i think like what caleb said it, it makes you chill out but it, it also seems to have some of, sort of the properties almost of like adderall like it you know what i mean by that it it does talk about the drug a, a bit, and it talks about how they adapted it. It took them like nine years or something after the big war that um, ravaged the world uh, for them to develop the drug, and they had to. It took a long time for them to find one that didn't have side effects. So basically, I think it was just something that produces happiness and calm of contentment, like Caleb was saying, and uh, and it doesn't have side effects. Well, so like, I think one of the unintended consequences, at least from like Bernard's perspective, right, is that it uh, quells individual thought or non-state propagandized the hip, I can't remember that word, right, where they... uh, Oh, the hypnopedia? Yeah, yeah, they condition you in your sleep or whatever, right? Like when it seems, at least when he's on a date with uh, Lenina, Lenina, Lenina. You know, he's he. She's like, oh man, we're veering too far off of the propagandized, you know, conditioning. So I better take some of the soma to not have to yeah, think about that. It stops you from having any sort of like existential thought, right? You're just you, you don't think about outside of yourself. You just get focused really on what you're doing in the moment. That's why I said like there's a there's a part of it that's kind of like Adderall because 
uh, Adderall, if you, if you take, especially if you don't have like a, you know, some sort of ADHD or something that you need to help you focus normally, if you take it, it makes like the most mundane things like interesting. That's why you can take it and work for like 18 hours on something that you normally wouldn't because it just makes everything that you're doing look super interesting. Like, I think, I think you're right. Right. Cause when they went and talked to the warden, yeah, she was just like popped a popped a little Soma or fifth of a gram and smiled pleasantly. I like how they have all these, uh, yeah. I like how they all, all these sayings about when to take drugs. Like, it's not like always. It's like the most. It's, yeah, it's just like if you're not on drugs, drugs. Like that's like essentially like what it comes down to. Uh. So okay, so let's let's back up again. So we we meet some some of the characters, right? We got these. Uh, we got these. I think they're clear. They're alphas, right? It's unclear what the what the women are if they're alphas or betas, but they're they're like somewhere in there. Hey. Yeah, so I I don't know when you find out, but I don't think it's a spoiler or anything. But Lenina is a beta. I remember that, but okay, yeah. And so then you got these. I don't. I may, and I don't even know if it ever talked about any women that were uh, alphas. I wonder if that's an interesting thing. But there was, you know, you meet these men who are alpha pluses, right? And you can be a plus or a minus too. So there's even a, like sort of a degradation in there. Um, but then you've got Bernard, who's like this. He's alpha, an alpha plus. He's an alpha plus, but he's messed up a little bit. Like he's short. he's like an alpha plus minus. <laughs> and everybody, yeah. yeah, and everybody like starts rumors about him, right? That he like got a little alcohol in his pregnancy yeah. blood or whatever, because they're like that. That dude's not right. Right. Yeah, he's, he physically and they're right. physically doesn't match the general like ideal look of a alpha plus. Yeah, they said he was like ten centimeters too short, which is that's kind of a lot. That's like five inches, basically, right? Like, holy cow! And uh, then you meet like Henry and these other guys who are like the you know the the stereotypical alphas who just like are cool and everybody likes them. They're just like in a good mood all the time, but they don't do anything out of the ordinary. Like Bernard's whole deal is that he. Kind, kind of, of has, right. he's like he's like noticed that he's weird, right? That's like the that's the deal. He's kind of halfway gained consciousness. Yeah, and I, I think, think it, I think it I think it comes to Caleb's point by his like he kind of represses taking dr- the soma as as much as you know it, it appears at least in the book that he's of anybody he's trying kind of not to take it, and I think that gives him some consciousness back. I was yeah. going to say that, like, I think that's probably going to be a theme for this book, right? Like, individualism, which is weird. And then that that consciousness, because we talked about how the individualism, everyone is everyone's. So maybe that was like, I mean, this book gets compared to 1984 a lot, right? And it reminds me of the Ministry of Truth or whatever, where that's the whole job was to destroy history and rewrite it tell lies basically yeah it certainly sounds a lot more uh livable of a society than 1984 right oh for sure for sure for sure like Um, you said like you part of you is like man what's so bad about that right i mean that and that's kind of what's so insidious about it right because you really have to start thinking about it and i think they start to help you kind of go along those lines of thinking too but uh you know oh go ahead 
was going to say, I think that's Bernard's problem, right? Like he starts to think a little bit and maybe it's because he missed his dose of Soma one time. But, but after a while, he's like, wait, man, do I believe all of this stuff that I was conditioned to believe while I was little? Like clearly something's wrong. Maybe that's a problem. Well, like that rumor about being bathed in alcohol when he was a baby is all of a sudden like, wait, gave, gave him like that, that tiny little spark of consciousness and he seems to be wanting to know more about them. So well, he's also uh, he's also a psychologist, right? Like he's the person that essentially programs the uh, sayings that they all have to listen to. Yep. Yeah. So he's like, I think that's given him a unique perspective because he's he be, he's become a lot more uh, aware of why he thinks so, and a stuff, certain right? way. Like he's on that date with Lenina, and she's just like saying all the crap, and he's like, "Yeah, we gave that. You know, we make you say that for three hundred years or, or three hundred days or whatever between age 14 and 16 and a half you know like like he just he knows all of the exact programming programming of how it happened and it seems that now that he kind of knows that it doesn't quite have the effect on him that it used to which is also interesting to think about yeah but I, feel, I feel i feel really bad for her on on their first date and all their other dates <laughs> for her <laughs> yeah well, like it's not her a terrible fault, date yeah, it's he's just a big, he's, big weirdo. He doesn't have the consciousness, right? He's like, Shin. she's like, can we go to like these fun things that we do all the time? He's like, no, we're gonna go stare at the dark ocean alone. <laughs> and she, and she's just like, oh, I don't want to, and he's just like, we're doing it. And then she's like, can we just do drugs? And he's like, no, no drugs. It's like, <laughs> but okay, then he does do let's drugs. do drugs. <laughs> yeah, then he, th- that's the other thing does. about Bernard, right? I do like that they they go out of the, he goes out of his way to show uh, that he's not like some ultra uh virtuous character either right like you sure. meet you meet helmholtz who's his other friend who's kind of gained uh uh consciousness basically but helmholtz is like the most alpha and that's why he's conscious he's like i realized i was literally better than everybody else at this <laughs> and and it almost made him bored and like there's a whole part when you know all the girls are trying to get Helmholtz to ask ask them out or whatever, go with them, and he's just like, no, 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 and like Bernard's like, haha, but like inside he's like, I wish all the girls liked Bernard. <laughs> yeah. So there's definitely but, like that, uh, you know, that part of Bernard that wishes he was a little bit deeper in the Matrix. Yeah, yeah. I, I do feel like uh, Bernard's um, reason for not liking the dystopia isn't really that wholesome. It's just the fact that he's like he physically stands out. And people don't like him because of that. And so he's like, I don't like this place. Yeah, he's like, I don't get no respect. He's like the Roddy Dangerfield of, <laughs> of like Alpha Pluses, right? Because he's talking about how he has to like yell at the gammas to go get his helicopter or whatever. Also, everyone flies helicopters in this, like at their cars. I'm, right. Pretty There's crazy. the future where everyone would fly around, right? Yep. That, what, that was probably popular around when this book was first published, I would think. So, yeah, so that so, makes so, sense. I, I think in the early 30s, so they're just worried about fascism and different forms of like massive control by the government popping up all over the place, and then they're doing um, blimps and stuff, or what'd you call it? those hydrogen-filled giant Dirig- bl- dirigibles? What's it called? The Zeppelin. Bird. Zeppelin. That, that's I think that's right. Anyway, so they're looking at different ways of travel in the sky, like you said. So yeah, so uh, you know, everything uh, like just 
where can I spend all the money that I get every single waking moment? I was just thinking about like the hypnopedic or whatever their their sleep talking that they do. And I, yeah. I kind of wonder if like social media in general kind of does that a little bit. Like it's kind of just a similar messages over and over and over and over again until people kind of like just accept them as truth and they're not really thinking about them. They're just like, yeah, this is what I heard. So I, I that's right. Interesting. Yeah, so even like if you saw a message over and over again that you didn't agree with, like it probably it still definitely has an effect on you, right? Whether yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it's even more insidious than that too, a little bit, right? Because I don't think it's like the same message over and over. I think that um, you know, this artificial intelligence that's controlling what is fed to us on these social medias is very sophisticated. So it might might almost be individualized instead of the same conditioning over and over that we get, right? For sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and I guess if you think about that, like what is the like what is the objective of those messages? Like I guess that's where you know, start to kind of think about like okay, even though this is pretty far out there, like it's kind of interesting to draw parallels for sure. It is interesting, yeah. right, that this was this was written in the 30s and then like not knowing when it was written, it seems like it's just being written about today. Yeah. I mean, I guess like propaganda has been around for a a really long time. Like, obviously, like, uh, I mean, right around this time over in Germany, there was an awful lot of that kind of stuff going on. So sure. Well, in America, too, right? Like it just everywhere. Like, yeah, you know, Uncle Sam poster saying we want you. That's not like a that's not not propaganda. Yeah, (laughs) it's, it's a it is what it is. But what I mean is like, they're talking all about like uh, being part of the, of the, of social sociality, right? That's like the whole deal. Uh, which if you just substitute that for social media, that's exa- exactly the same thing. It's all about yeah. uh, keeping up your appearance in the right way. Uh, making sure that you do the activities. Everybody else is, you know, Lenina spends like everything's ha- for everyone else. Too, yeah. She, well, she spends half the chapter worrying about not being uh, promiscuous enough right yeah which is really weird way to think about it like they're like she's like her friends like you're going out with that one guy again like you know and even uh, later when uh bernard goes and asks the director for permission to go to to new mexico and the director decides to be like i went to new mexico once uh and just be like super weird about it like he they all get embarrassed because he like remembered the past and like talked about something he should have talked about well, it was like fondness for the girl that got lost almost, right? Was yep. that I like that was part of it. He's like, Oh man, I shouldn't have feelings for her, but Yeah, and so yeah, that's what I and that's what I was kinda just spilling. That's what I was guts. remembering. It's, it's, he's like, uh, you know, I don't think that there was any like improper uh attachment or, you know, long term whatever. Which is Right. Right. He had to explain himself a little bit, right? Like so, so you're in a society where you're supposed to spend all of your time just doing like frivolous, fun things. Uh, you're not really supposed to like intimately become attached to anybody, right? Like, like on a on a deeper level. Like, you might have friends, but they're like they're just like your nice friends. You don't really think about it any more than that. Yeah, everything's like uh, um, superficial, right? Nothing, nothing right. is allowed to be intimate. Even like you said, even your bros, right? And uh, I think that we it's super easy to fall into that trap right now, right? It's like, okay, 
I'm going to go to work, but when I'm finished work, I want to do these five things, right? I want to watch TV or Netflix or play video games or I want to, I don't know, some other, maybe it's not as, as screen related, but it's still frivolous, right? I want to go just mountain bike or I want to do whatever. I want to do this hobby thing that I like that's basically just a hobby that's fun. And it's not to say that those things are bad, but like if that's all that you're ever thinking about and all that you're ever doing, are you even really doing anything? Yeah, I th- I think that it really comes back to like this book is really like individualizing people to the point where they're so like stuck in their own like just finding pleasure that they're not building those relationships and I think that that's that's the message here is that you need those relationships you know <laughs> everyone yeah. needs those relationships for sure. Well, and we haven't got through the rest of the book yet either, where I think we learn a little bit more about the reasons why the the world is the way that it is in the book, right? Which should shed a little bit more light on everything. But uh, yeah, definitely, know, I, you know, I'm at, interested at point, for that part. At this point, we can at least uh, we can hypothesize, like why why would the world want to be this way? I guess why if you were if you were able to create a totalitarian system that let everybody be this way, like why why is it like this? Well, that's the whole speech that Mustafa gives, right? In chapter three, is it? Chapter three, I think, where he shows up. His whole speech to the kids is like, this is the terrible state that the world used to be in, and we fixed it, and this is how we fixed it. People having moms. Yeah, people had mothers and fathers. (laughs) They were born. More than just that, for sure. You remember some of the things he talks about. Uh, he talks about like how um, people would believe in religion to, and the religion would tell them to be good people, but they still turned heavily to to drinking and be, you know, feeling bad about themselves. So we had to step in and get rid of that and fix it so that they don't always just feel bad about themselves. Interesting. Um, so they talk about like the desire to fight each other and conquer and how they've eliminated that, stuff like that. And no, no more wars. Just really weird savages living on a reservation. Yeah, so I guess if we kind of recap so what's happened so far in the book. So chapters one through three describe kind of the, the society, like how, how people are created, how human life is created and conditioned in this society. And then um, I think the next thing, like you said, they introduce some characters. And then Bernard basically... Uh, he asks Lenina out on a date. Is that what happens next? And then how, how do they end up like getting to the, to the reservation? Well, so he's been wanting to ask her out for a long time. And he seems to be the only alpha in the world that gets nervous asking a girl out. Right. Like that's like the thing. Yeah. Cause basically in this world, you just like ask someone and it just happens like you, Oh yeah. You want to go like hang out and have sex. And they're like, yep, I'm in. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, just like <laughs> the real world. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> thought all the hippies that it didn't work. Sorry, hippies. Um, yeah, so he... It, he oh, go ahead. Were you going to say something? Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, like, like, there's definitely a lot of talk about just having anyone at any time, but it's not really explicit in the act, except for they kept using this word, like, pneumatic right like i'm so pneumatic in bed right (laughs) yeah Yeah. and all i could think of was like man even even the sex is like not that interesting you know what i mean like (laughs) like it's just pound you know get it done go to pound Pound town town. right just like yeah 
What is air pressure? Bam, 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 bam. All right, you know, done. She's really proud of the fact that she's pneumatic. Yeah. Like she's like worried that Bernard doesn't think she's pneumatic, right? When he rejects her, kind of like enough. Yeah. I just thought it was really interesting that, like, yeah, you can have sex with whoever you want whenever you want, but but. Even the sex isn't intimate, I guess, is the thought that I had, right? Like well, it's yeah, there's it's not, only right. about the act, right? Exactly. Well, there's no there's no attachment, emotional attachment to it at all. Yeah, it's zero. It's kind of just like the thing that you that you end your date with, and you're both going to be on a bunch of drugs while you do it anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I, it might not even have mattered if you did it at all, right? Like you, it, like I think on Soma, you might just be cool if you were just like staring at a chalkboard. Like it might just be the be- like the same. I don't know. <laughs> also, I think she I, did I, remember to take her contraceptive, though. There seems so. to be like some sort of like really crazy That's process it's for in... contraception. Yeah, it's like this weird process, right? That they and and it's so like embedded into them and taught to them that it's just like naturally happening, so that no one ever gets pregnant. And I think that that's one thing that the director like spills the beans to whatever. Or I guess no, that's later on. <laughs> that happens in like chapter seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you Filling find the out. beans of chapter seven. You find out the director like basically has a kid, right? And he's, oh, nice. Like, living in the savage world. Well, and you find out there's still abortion clinics, so clearly people still accidentally get pregnant. Right. Yeah, that's in chapter six for sure. Is it? Well, they they find the lost girl, right? So to mm-hmm. keep recapping, yeah. Kyle, and, uh... keep recapping. Oh, yeah, All right. Go so back to the date. Fill in any beans that I missed, or don't, any any don't, gaps. Uh, oh, so before, so before the, uh, he, so he asks, uh, "What's her face out, Lenina?" But then there's some time, there's some stuff that happens between when they actually go out the first time, and uh, when he asks her, right? Because so first, because oh, she and, she goes out with someone else, right? She goes so out she, with Henry. Yeah, she goes out with Henry again. But then also he uh, he goes and visits Helmholtz, right? Yep. So you meet you meet Helmholtz, and you're just kind of like. Helmholtz is essentially in marketing. That's like his deal. He teaches marketing at a university. <laughs> propaganda. He teaches, he teaches slogans and propaganda, and he's really good at it. Um, and then, uh, so you kind of learn that they have like this thing where they sometimes they just go talk about being different, which seems kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and then, but then uh, Bernard goes to goes to the what do they call it? The orgy porgy, yeah, the orgy porgy, <laughs> but it's it's like the the solidarity meeting or whatever. Oh yeah, I can't right. remember what that's called. Like there's a whole bunch of other alpha pluses there, and I guess there are alpha plus females there, right? I guess, but they so they all sit, they sit every other gender, right? And then it, it's like some sort of weird, weird seance, drug induced <laughs> religious ceremony, basically. Mm-hmm. Just um, orgy. Who were they? <laughs> So who were they talking about when they were saying we can hear him coming? I think it's Henry Ford, right? I mean, that's what I thought. I, I couldn't think of who else it would be. <laughs> but it was weird. Like, one of, And they started saying, like, I can hear his feet on the stairs. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, it was pretty crazy. But they, they essentially just they get blitzed on whatever they're drinking. And yeah. uh, I think that's like an interesting pers- – that's when you realize that Bernard's like – He's lying, but he's he's like saying the right things, but he's not feeling it right because he's yeah. like, uh, like I hear his voice too. He's like, but I don't really. He's like, I hear <laughs> literally nothing, and he's yeah. ups- but he's also upset by that fact, right? Mm-hmm. He's not like, oh, I'm so glad I don't hear those voices. He's like, I wish I heard the same thing everybody else hears. 
And, you know, maybe if, if I could get a little bit deeper under this spell, I wouldn't be bothered by this chick's unibrow. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which he talks about for like yeah, a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, so upset that he was late and decided to sit next to her. He's like, I'm an I, idiot. I, I definitely think that's a, a main character trait for Bernard is that he's he prides himself on being a rebel, but he's really not. He's just he's a kind of a social outcast by the way that he looks. And so he he tells himself that he's a rebel, but he really isn't. He just wishes he would fit in. Well, but, but he also does uh, realize that something's wrong with the society, right? Like, it's not just his appearance. He also realizes that he's what, he hasn't been conditioned correctly or something. He is thinking outside the box. Uh, I think a, a large part of that, though, is that he's been forced to be outside of the box by his physical appearance. And so maybe that prompted him, him to think a little bit more about this. But mostly he just wants to be in the box. At least that's what I felt. Yeah. Yeah, he he definitely is an outsider. I think that comes up later in the book, actually. Well, I I think it goes I think he goes back and forth on that too. Like I think he alternates between being kind of happy about the fact that he thinks differently. Um, there's definitely I think all those times that he chooses not to take the soma. I think if he really wanted to be in the box, he'd be popping soma all the time. Uh, but there's definitely times when he's like, "Oh, this is bullcrap. I wish I was. I wish this was my thing." But I did like there was one sentence. Uh, I think this is later on. Sorry, I let Kyle get back to the recap. But he's like on the reservation, and like uh, he realizes that he had been weak, and then so he's like he decides to not take Soma. And it says something like preferring his anger instead, right? Which is like these people don't feel anger very ever. But they're always just pleasant emotions. So he was like, I like being angry. Hmm. Yeah, plenty of people a... like that right now that love being what you would uh, stereotypically say are bad emotions. They love getting angry or they love feeling sad. Yeah, so that just reminded me, so back to Mustafa, um, he, he made like this analogy of like basically a pipe, right? A, re- a pipe under pressure. And if you put one hole in it, it squirts out a long ways. And if you put a bunch of holes, it just kind of has a steady flow. And so he talked about that being like people's emotions and that like, any like high emotional state was a bad thing. Like tons of anger, really bad, like tons of sadness, really bad. And so they've basically created this society where there's no like intense emotions. Yeah. And that kind of parallels like, again, like the 1984 idea, which was we can't, and nobody will rebel if they don't have any language to be able to do it with. Right. Like they're just systematically getting rid of words so that you can't even think your way. Uh, into rebelling and in this case it's just like if you can't get worked up enough about something to do anything then you, just nothing will get worked nothing will get overthrown right yeah you're drugged to pacificity just yeah no strong emotions either way you can't rebel okay so recap all right so he ends up getting around to asking lenina out to go to a savage reservation which is in new mexico um, and then let's see what happens next. He has oh, wait, to get hold on, per- sorry, hold on, hold on. So, yeah. uh, and she agrees to go with him, right? Because it's really hard to go there. Like, you have to have you have to be like a certain person, like Bernard, because he's a psychologist, like can get a permit or whatever to go. But mm-hmm. also, she talks about how crappy her last summer vacation was when she went to the North Pole. Oh yeah. <laughs> instead, and I just thought that it was really good that the hotel that she stayed in was called uh, the Aurora Bora Palace. <laughs> I think is what it was called. 
<laughs> I just like that he, he kind of threw it in there that like this hotel she stayed at had a pun name and, and it was she thought it sucked, which was awesome. John would be so pleased. <laughs> I know. Aurora Bora Palace. Really good. Sorry. <laughs> Continue. Yeah, so she's looking forward to this, you know, date kind of with uh our boy Bernard Marx. And then uh he has to get approval to go out there, ends up getting it. Um and then he makes his way out to the reservation. And when they get there, um, there's like a warden or something of the reservation. So the reservation has this really weird feel to it, obviously. Um, and it's, it's basically like, you know, the world today, kind of. It's, I don't know. And then we're or like reservations are today, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Like, oh, I mean, I I only read in through. I don't even think I I read chap. I don't think I read all of chapter seven, but I read most of it. And like, they're going through all. They go to like a a tribal ceremony, right? But people are are just living in pueblo huts, mm-hmm. being fat and having disease. Yeah, and and Old, that's right? the thing that like is really like, uh, Lenina is taken aback right there when when they go to this savage reservation and there's like a big fat person she's like what is going on like this is this is so horrible (laughs) that they let this happen to these people basically yeah she's messed up by it and that's not just that he's fat doesn't the guy get whipped and stuff yeah yeah, during the uh during the ceremony that they watch which they you later learn is like a combination of like a million different old religions right yeah, there's like a, an effigy of Jesus or someone yeah. dressed as Jesus. Yeah, or it was like in P P Kong or whoever, that's another another person. It's like you have to bleed in order to make it the rain come and the corn grow and to please Jesus and to do this other stuff. So it was yeah. like all kind of wrapped up in a weird way. Um, mm-hmm. and then that's where they introduce so basically during that ceremony they're they have this person out there that gets whipped and he's bleeding. And I think there's like a circle of snakes or something. Somehow snakes are involved there. Yeah, they're running around in snakes and getting whipped by a dude in a coyote. Man. <laughs> yeah. That's what Brian's saying. It's just a, a amalgamation of a thousand different uh, ceremonies crammed into one. Right. But Yeah, but then they end up meeting this character, John, who um, described like how he wanted to be the sacrifice like and how it's like oh like i wish i could have been that person in the middle that was like getting whipped and they're like what like that doesn't make any sense he's like he's like that dude only went around seven times (laughs) and he yeah yeah, he was like he was like weak he's like i could have (laughs) bled twice as much it's like really what he was saying (laughs) but then he's the first person that you meet who was like and she's like why on earth would you want to do that and he's like basically to prove i'm a man and you're like, oh. Yeah. So, okay. So let's see. Keep. You want me to keep recapping here, and then we can kind of discuss some stuff. Are there so, any other? Any wait before you keep going? Are there any other like parts of like before we get to like meeting like Linda and stuff? Are there any other parts of the reservation so far that interested anybody? Well, so just to back up one, like when. Bernard's getting his permit signed, right? Then that's where oh, the director yeah. guy, we already kind of talked about it. But yeah, we like, should talk about what, it again. He, he, you know, he spills the beans like, oh yeah, I went there once and I lost a girl there and I just left. Like, I don't know what happened. She disappeared. 
but, but I, I looked sleep. really hard for her. I did all the right things. Like he, he's very like guarded, right? He, he says like, but I, we looked for like five days or however long, like we did everything that we should and, and we just never found her. Well, and then uh, we also forgot to mention the fact that he gets pissed that he told Bernard that. And then he's like, Bernard, you're screwed now, basically. Like, he's pissed. Oh, yeah, I'm going to send you to Iceland. I'm going to send you to Iceland. <laughs> and then Bernard's like, oh, he'll never do it. And then, like, while they're there, he, like, gets a he phone gets call. A phone call. And Hel- or he calls Helmholtz because he's left his cologne. Spencer uh, <laughs> on. And he's just, like, doing all this, like, math in his head. Where he's like, I'm going to be so broke. Like, pouring <laughs> cologne. Of and Helmholtz is like, by the way, they're going to send you to Iceland. And he's just like, F. <laughs> like, he's not happy about it. He realizes I'd that he... I'd love to go to Iceland. Well, he realizes, right, this is another one of those Bernard instances where he's like, he thinks he... Because he, he was elated when he came out of the director's office. And he's just like, yeah, I stood up to that guy. I went against social norms, blah, 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 blah. And then, like, later he realizes, like, oh, crap, he's going to send me to Iceland. Like, I wish I never had to go to Iceland. So he kind of is showing his... Two-facedness again. Yep, subtle to me, but like, what was the big deal? Like, why was it such a big deal that the that that dude that was signing Bernard's permit was, like, you know, spilling his guts to him? That's what I got. I I felt like, um, I mean, obviously, I haven't read this in like uh, years <laughs> because I'm just going off of my re- uh, memory from the last time I read it because I didn't make it this far. <laughs> uh, but it seemed to me that he uh, was not happy that he had revealed so much of his personal life, uh, you know, well, personal so- details, individual to him. And he's like, all right, I got to shut up and I got to uh, send this guy to Iceland. <laughs> so what? Well, so what I what I caught what I, what I think happened is so they they mention how um the director uh, they they're both embarrassed right because the director has has essentially like gone back and remembered these things that he's not supposed to remember like they're supposed to live in the moment and he and he's that he's brought it up but then also uh when he's getting mad at Winston like or not Winston that's like main character from 1984 I don't know yeah he just crossed the main character um uh, Bernard right uh. I think what what happened is word must have spread about his crappy first date with Lenina, right? Because <laughs> uh, there's a lot of, of ado made about the fact that he's like going out of all these different social norms and she's not very happy and uh, or whatever. And so, because he what he gets mad at him about is the fact that he's he's doing all this stuff that's weird, right? Right. He's like, yeah, where he went to look over the dark ocean in the storm instead of going and playing laser golf. Yeah, so magnetic hyper golf, like <laughs> puppy golf. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, and bumble puppy. Don't bumble puppy. <laughs> Taking his drugs. So I think I think that's what happened. Uh, he took the opportunity because he realized that he was pissed. Uh, to to scold him about that kind of stuff, and then I don't know, maybe he thought longer about it and was like, "Well, screw that guy." Yeah, He's ten inches shorter than he should be. <laughs> so all anyway, right, back to the recap. Yeah, so, yeah, no. So his his Musk is burning back home. He calls him Holtz to shut it off, um, and then so this John character that wanted to get beat more than the other guy that thought he could run more circles and bleed more than the other guy uh, talks to them and he's a fairly attractive looking dude um, considering the rest of society is just like 
it seems like sickly or you know overweight or having diseases um lenina certainly seems to think so (laughs) yeah and yeah and then so they introduce him to his mother so john's mom who's named linda and basically it's pretty clear that like almost immediately you find out that like oh linda uh she used she's from the brave new world and she was the one that was lost from the director and that John ends up being uh, the director's son. And so then they talk about kind of Linda's past and how she was found here and then found to be pregnant. And she got too ashamed. I thought this was interesting. So she was pregnant and then she had a baby. And because she had a baby, she was too ashamed to go back to like the new world. And then so she just like, okay, I guess I just live on this reservation now and ended up just kind of becoming an alcoholic and like just basically like a prostitute for the town. And everyone hated her because she was just sleeping with anyone because that's like what her her conditioning had taught her. And it's just basically horrible, horrible life for Linda is what it seems like. Well, um, and Lin- Linda freaks out on the Nina because she's like, I love your clothes. And then she just like remembers everything about being a beta, and she's like, "I wish I was still a beta, basically." Oh yeah, because she's like, "I I couldn't ever fix my clothes," and so she's just like envious of like having nice clothes again. And and then I think probably one of the insightful things here is that um, Linda, obviously being John's mom, taught John a lot of what she was taught as a kid. Um, so he's kind of like this in between character that he was born in the reservation of a mom that was from the new world. And so he kind of has like some of both of the like insights and, and, uh, and he was get, he was called always kind of like this outside outsider in this reservation because his mom was viewed as like this horrible person. And so he was never kind of fit in there. Um, and he liked Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a yeah. quick recap. <laughs> so that's yeah, super cool, super interesting. Uh, so Linda became an alcoholic because she couldn't get Selma, right? Yeah, there was no Selma, so she was drinking whatever that stuff was called. Uh, I forget. But then she basically describes getting it, how it gives you a hangover, right? Right. Mm-hmm. She's like, it's it's Selma, but with the hangover. <laughs> and it just and it, and well, and it it intensifies your feelings of shame, is what she says the next day. So I thought that was interesting. Hmm. So don't drink your problems away, I think is the lesson there. Yeah. Let's see. What else did I write down? Anything interesting here? Yeah, so Linda's... I mean, man, that's kind of... It's just really interesting because that's where, like, the two worlds collide. Like, you know, the reservation is more similar to the world that we live in now because, like, it has people that are generally viewed as like oh you want like you know relationships where you have a mom you have a dad like this reservation has all of that religion you know all of those things and linda is just viewed as like this heretic there and so that's where you kind of can like start thinking about like oh like how different these worlds really really are yep it's it's also uh sort of mentioned right when they're kind of focusing on how old everybody is and disgusting everybody is uh that everybody in the new world is kept young basically until they're 60 and then they like die. Oh yeah. I think they made it to fertilizer, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> at some point, scene. yeah, at oh. some point they were like mentioning how like it's so wasteful that they would put like a dead body in a coffin and bury it and not even use its phosphorus or whatever. It's like, right. okay. Yeah, Henry gets all, he gets all proud, right? That like, we make however many hundred pounds of phosphorus per year here in Britain or whatever. Uh, just basically from cremating and then synthesizing all the dead bodies. So They also talk about how wasteful it is for someone to get old in the old world. Someone gets old and they retire and they start being more philosophical in their old age, but they're not producing anything and they're not consuming anything. They're just sitting there thinking. And so that's another point of pride for them is how they got rid of retirement. Everybody's young until they're dead. Right. right. Yeah. There's no. There's no retirement. Uh, because all of that stuff's a waste of time. <laughs> you don't want <laughs> people to become good people. Um, and that goes back to what uh Bernard's trying to explain to Lenina on their date, right? He's like, uh, uh, we're. I was thinking that we could be adults all the time. I think is what he said. Oh um, yeah. Right. Instead of just ad- we're adults at work and infants afterwards, right? Or infants at play is what he says and. And she's just like, what are you talking about? We should all be infants like all the time. But I, I do think. And that- then he's like, I told you to say that by programming you to say that. Yeah. He's like, he's like, I brain damaged you to say that. <laughs> um, so that, that there's definitely that, that under undertone that people don't grow up. It's like the whole world is Peter Pan now. Mm hmm. And then I think the I guess the last thing there kind of in this chapter is I think that. Bernard views, sees this as like his opportunity to kind of get back at the director and not go to Iceland. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, he knows his dirty secret. <laughs> yeah. It's like Iceland. I think you mean central London. Posh <laughs> <laughs> 45th floor. Right. Uh, give me, yeah, give me Helmholtz's house through Helmholtz. <laughs> oh, man. I think that the subtle, terrifying thing that I thought of the most, and it's kind of the same in 1984, but like the the thought is controlled, right? Like you're you're not to have independent thoughts. Well, and you don't even know you're being controlled, right? Like, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I Bernard, suppose so. Bernard kind of but... does, right? But like the, the, that that's even scarier. Like you don't even know whatever it is that you're not knowing that's kind of what helmholtz tries to describe he's like have you ever thought that you've that there's something in you that you you could you should say or do but that you can't really figure out what it is yeah he talks about like his books or or like how he could be he's like i could write so much better than what i'm doing now but like i just like i can't get to like that level like for some there's like something holding him back yeah i just yeah i just thought like there's no thought for the past and there's no thought for the future there's only like pleasure in the present and that's how the thought is being controlled and because it's you know either drug induced or programmed through the hypnosis at sleep um the effect is still the same right there's no existential thought or something and when oh. there's a glimpse of it, it's scary, and that means like time to take more drugs, right? So why why is this bad? 
What like why is uh like why why is, why is that bad right so so I'm just thinking right they so they live in this society like I'm I guess what I'm trying to do is get in, inside the head of the person who creates the society right because clearly and you learn more about them later too right there's these people that control the whole society uh, and they have their reasons for doing it but I'm trying to figure out if, you know before the book makes it a little bit more clear like why you would do this to somebody. Like, what do they get out of it? What does the person controlling society get out of it? Or I guess anybody, really. The only thing right? that I could think of was, like, the consumption, right? Like, I don't know if it's a critique on, on capitalism, and maybe it is or isn't, but maybe it is a critique on the consumptionism. Like, the keeping yeah. up with the Joneses, right? Like, I need the new Model T helicopter Ford. <laughs> Yeah, no, it definitely is, I think, a critique of consumptionism because it's it's pretty clear. I mean, this is during, you know, this is what, in between World War One and World War II, uh, right after the Depression, I think we said at the beginning, uh, where, you know, if something breaks down, you're going to fix it. You're not going to buy a new thing because nobody can buy a new thing. Right. Like, and, sew uh, it up, right? Stitches me. Yeah, I'm trying to think of that old stitches. saying. I can't remember what it is. Uh, it's you know you, you can either make it do or, or do without something like that i forget what the whole saying is yeah um, but like this is that goes right in the face of that right and you know less stitches is more riches you know it, it meaning that don't for somebody your, don't <laughs> sew your clothes right uh but yeah i'm still trying to just get in the head of the person like so or even it, say say that there wasn't anybody forcing the society to be this way but you just lived your life completely like this right where you did you just did your little alpha things for your whole life you know you went to you played 12,000 rounds of bumble puppy you know you ate a lot of of drugs drugs and ice cream that's essentially what they do they go they go dancing and they go get ice cream and do drugs drugs uh, inside your ice cream yeah and it's yeah. there's just drugs everywhere there doesn't seem to be a, a a maximum dose of soma that you shouldn't take, right? Well, it's you just, find out about that at some point. Well, I, I do think uh, I I do like how they're always um like self-regulating their amounts, though. Like she's like, I'll take two two and a half tablets, you know. And That's other thing about Bernard, he's like abstains. So when he goes, he goes. He's, he's like, like four. Give me five. Yeah, full yeah. grand. <laughs> he's like, how many will make me forget this ever happened? <laughs> so but there's clearly something that's missing if even if you live your whole life uh in this way right yeah so i, well, that, I think that's that... another thing that mustafa talks about is that in the world before the brave new world uh people would would uh, get stuck in jobs uh, that weren't fulfilling to them or they'd be stuck in a in a cast or in a situation in their life that they wouldn't be satisfied with. But in their brave new world, um, you're conditioned from birth to ha have your destination foreordained, and they make you want it. And so everybody is content and happy with their position in the world, and that and they see that as being a good thing. Yeah. So here's what I think. Uh, the problem, obviously, with a society like this is, is that, you know, obviously, it's restricting creativity extremely. And so I think that you would see a lack of progression in the society. This is supposed to be like 600 or like 
what is it, 500 years from now? And they're still, like, flying helicopters, I guess? Like, sure, like, maybe that's a thing. But, like, I, I think that really that's what the problem here is if you don't allow people to think, I don't think you really see progression. In any well, way. also, they, they don't allow people to have challenges. So no thought, no challenge, no progression. What's that saying? There's no growth in the comfort zone. Yeah. There's there's no comfort in the growth zone. Oh, my growth zone. Pain is gain. Yeah, I'm pain. trying to think like also like what's their pain here? Like their pain is just from their conditioning. It's like, oh yeah, I I can't read books because it shocks me when I read books. Like do they have other bad things? I don't really know that they do. Other than being an alpha plus minus. Well, I guess the other bad things would just be the antisocial behaviors, not conforming with society norms. Yeah, I'm reminded of rules in his 12 rules for life, right? Which is something like. Do do what is meaningful, not what's expedient. And I think that um, his point is is that like um, having a worthy, like wishing on the star, I think is what he calls it. So pursuing the greatest good or something, making a worthy sacrifice before God is what gives your life meaning. And otherwise, like you're condemned to like nihilism or something, right? Like there's no meaning. The choices that I make don't don't have any meaning on this world or my life. So I, uh, maybe that's part of the living in the moment, right? Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to articulate <laughs> this for sure. Yeah, I, yeah, so I think, I mean... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. Like, like life is suffering, that's for sure. Um, but you have to like act in a way that's. I mean, this is this is the line of thinking that Jordan always seems to go down. Like, you have to act in a way that's like not only good for you now today, but also in a way that's good for you tomorrow. But then, once you get that figured out, then you've got to do what's right for you and good for you and your family and after a while then you can start like helping out society or something but it seems like in here it's there's there's none of there's no meaning to life i think that's one of bernard's problems right like like yeah sure he's got everything provided for him he even has his cologne dispenser but um but he but he's still missing something i think like deep down he's having this thought like some something's wrong in my life and he can't can't ever think about it and no one can ever think about it because they're always just like drugged into present blissful meaningless nihilism always yeah. right yeah it's because and and i guess you really it that's what the whole society's created is you don't have parents you're not a parent like i can't imagine like what brings me the most joy like right now being a dad like absolutely like i love being a dad or even like the relationships with friends, like those are things that bring you joy. And if you strip all that away and say like, the only joy you can have is like things that are like 
physical, like, uh, you know, playing golf or having sex or like, those are the only things that you can have joy and it's nothing like lasting. You know, I think there's a big problem there for sure. Play golf and have sex at the same time, Kyle, if you're looking for something new to do. <laughs> Bumble puppy. Bumble puppy. <laughs> I just can't picture what that, what that would be. Centrifugal <laughs> bumble puppy. It's like okay, like I, I guess magnetic golf kind of makes sense, but all right. So centrifugal. What... So maybe they're all like they're all spinning in a circle really fast, right? Uh... <laughs> Are they like half bumblebees, half puppies? Like, uh, what is this? <laughs> maybe it. Maybe it's. Uh, maybe they they make a bunch of puppies really dizzy, and then they just bet on which one can get the farthest. I wonder yeah, because it's the heaviest. Is... Well, it's like an actual game in the 30s or something. It sounds. Like I mean, that sounds like a very British thing to say, right? This is he's British, so this is in Britain. I'm sure it's some. I'm just almost. You know what? Please hold. <laughs> huh. Okay. Well, according to the dictionary, it just says a game whilst played carelessly or contrary to rules and conventions. This this says Bumble Puppy, a game in which a ball attached by string to a post is hit so that the string winds. I think it's tetherball. Tetherball. Ball? <laughs> that sounds about right. Centrifugal. Bumble it's puppy. going around. Oh, that makes sense. Centrifugal. That that does make sense in terms of of tetherball. That's wild. I wonder if I'd spelled it differently than the way that you did, because mine is not coming up with that. Yeah, but he, I guess going back to chapter three, uh, Mustafa said like, oh, the games like of old times always involved just people chasing a ball around with sticks and an occasional net. And so I don't know, tetherball seems like it fits that line of thinking pretty well. It seems like they would have made it more sophisticated than just standard Napoleon Dynamite tetherball. Well, centrifugal again. Maybe there's something weird going. On. <laughs> if you're spinning around, alter like the opposite direction of the ball. I don't know, like on a roller coaster. But yeah, I did like they. They're like, we have to make the games more complicated, right? Like, not yeah, enough balls. Increase, add, add magnets. Do something. Increase consumerism. Uh, there apparently is a definition by uh, by the author. It says centrifugal bumble puppy is a game for children consisting of a platform sloping from all sides to the center with a rotating disc in it. A ball is thrown onto the platform and it rolls down to the rotating disc. The rotating disc flings the ball and the player must catch it. The game calls for attention and quick reflex as the ball is flung in a random direction each time. Like Beyblades. Let it rip. So, so you're throwing the ball in there, and then it's kind of shooting in a random direction. Right. That's what it sounds like. And then you have to be the the best one at getting the ball, probably. I don't know. <laughs> I want to play it. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, hey, that sounds like a blast. <laughs> it's working. If you're high. Not... <laughs> yeah. The whole thing I was thinking about while Nate was describing that is like, how would Caleb imagine this? Like, how, how does Caleb do that? <laughs> <laughs> So Caleb, talk, talk me through what that was like for you. I mean, I heard the words. I could conceptualize sloping platforms into a center part with some spinny thing. Like, I mean, don't ask me what the platforms were made out of or 
the color of the spinny disc. But I mean, yeah, I could conceptualize that. Okay. I think about this a, a lot now, uh, Caleb. <laughs> I was I had to drive into work on Friday, and then on my way home from work, I made it halfway home before like I was driving in autopilot. Right. I had I had no memory of seeing the road at all from when I left work to where I was. And instead, all of my visual memory was what I was imagining during that entire time. <laughs> Do you ever experience anything like that? Did you just hear, you just heard like some very vague, like shouting and yelling and honking as you're just like driving? <laughs> in the no, I don't think that this, is, I mean, so I definitely was driving normally, but since it's something that I've done a thousand times and you just don't think about it and you think about something else and, uh, and it's like you zone out, right? And I think that I'm not unique in this. Everybody's experienced something like this. Highway hypnosis. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I'd... No, that's never happened to me, right? Like people have told <laughs> stories of like, I just zoned out and missed the exit. I'm like, how do you not know where you're at on the road? Yeah, exactly. Because they're, you know, they're. Um, yeah, they're... in their imagination, they're watching The Simpsons, apparently. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah, I think about this stuff a lot now. Yeah, Caleb, you've opened our minds for sure. And strangely closed them. (laughs) (laughs) You opened my mind into how I could picture the world without picturing it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, like an alternate dimension. It's definitely weird to think about for sure. In fact, this is like the first novel that I've read with this realization that I've had a Fantasia, right? And I'm like, man, I wonder how this is going to affect me with this. uh, I don't know. Maybe it's like those physics, the quantum physics experiments, right? Where just mere observation changes the results. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. And and maybe so, but but still, like I can follow along. I, I mean, conceptually, I understand what's going on. I just don't know what Bernard looks like, right? He might have described it, but all that stuff just rolls off my my head a little bit. My brain. Yeah, he's like just John a has short blonde dude. hair, right? Who does? John. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because on the reservation, that was like he's kind of weird, right? Yep. So when I think of John, I I imagine in my mind somebody who looks like uh, the preppy guy in Scooby Doo. Like Fred, <laughs> isn't that guy a blonde? Yeah, yeah. He's got his Letterman's jacket on all the time. <laughs> no, nope, he just wears a sweater. But yeah, oh, in my mind, he's wearing a, a Letterman jacket. <laughs> he just wears a he wears a, a white sweater, but he's got like an orange neckerchief on all the time, which is yeah. Cool. The the neckerchief is iconic. So Caleb, orange is a color that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I should explain that to Nate and Kyle again. Yeah, yeah, I know what orange looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Just can't see it. So this was really good. I I thought I had a lot of fun with this discussion, just kind of talking about this book. I'm excited to see where it goes and to talk about it with you guys again. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, like, what people think of listening to us talk about this book. Like, I, I don't know. It's a really interesting book for sure. I think it has some interesting things to think about. Um the world's, you know, compared to like other fantasy books, like it's yeah, way different, but it's good. It's, it's still really good. Well written. It's definitely more of a serious book and conversation than if we were reading like a different kind of book that we're like Jurassic think, Park. 
That Velociraptor just ate that guy. So I think uh, I think after we finish this, we should read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. If you've never read that book. No, yeah. I haven't. I know the answer, I, though. I have. Sound upset. It's not a great <laughs> book, but uh, I'll, I, I like being part Save of the book. Save that for opinionated, I'll, I feel like. I'll read it. <laughs> I feel like this is one more of your hot takes, Nate. It's like one of the most <laughs> beloved franchises of books in the history of the world. Yeah. Well, some people like really lowbrow science fiction. <laughs> and Toy Story. <laughs> it's, it's not really science fiction. Yeah, exactly. It's not supposed to be science fiction. We can save that for the podcast. Yeah, shots fired. <laughs> um, but All yeah, right. I think that's a little bit more uh, lighthearted. Uh, who, who picked um, Brave New World? Maybe we could do like a rotating book pick. I I picked it. Well, we could talk about that another time. But I'm fine yeah. with reading whatever. Just happy to be here. Yeah, me too. All right, well, that's it for this podcast tonight. Let's, let's go. <laughs> nice way to end it there. Let's uh, let's end it on a good low energy. Thanks everybody for coming to our podcast tonight. I'm really happy. To Thanks for Nate and Kyle showing up. Thanks for yeah. Hopefully, this podcast still makes the cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so just it's going cut. It's going up. Okay, goodbye. Signing off. <laughs>